there, get ready. You are now listening to Talk of the Town with Jill and Carmen, the one and only podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. It doesn't matter if you just moved into the area or you are a fifth-generation Vermonter. This podcast is sure to delight you and inform you. Go ahead, sit back, and relax. Here are your hosts, Jill and Carmen. Hey there, and welcome to Talk of the Town podcast with Jills and Carmen. I'm one of your hosts, Jills, and I'm here with my host, Carmen. And we are excited to kick off the first Talk of the Town podcast uh, that's going to serve Mount Mansfield community here in Vermont. We're so excited to be doing this today. We're so excited to be here with you. And... uh, Carmen, why don't you just go ahead and kick us off? What what are we doing? Sure. Well, you know, we've had a desire to be a resource to the community. You know, there's a lot of people that have been here for a while. People travel. There's new people coming into the area. Um, and so we thought of doing a podcast that where we could share the stories and people that have an impact on our community. And so one reason why I'm doing it is because I love to encourage people. I love to share information. I like to see people get connected. I myself want to get connected. So, you know, we want to connect with the community and help each other connect with one another. So why don't you tell us, Jules, why are you doing this? Yeah, I'm excited to be doing this because uh, number one, I'm a, I'm a kind of a, a new podcast junkie. I, I discovered podcasts uh, about a year and a half ago or something, and I just enjoy them. So I, I thought, hey, it would be fun to do my own. Uh, but really what what gets me going about doing this one is right here in this community, there is just so many amazing people. The history is deep. Uh, I might be biased because I'm a I'm a native Vermonter, so uh, I'm just you know bragging on my state and and this area of the state. But there's just so much history, there's so many cool people, there's just so much going on. So I said, why not highlight what an amazing area this is? Uh, so maybe if you're not even from Vermont, you want to come here. Hopefully this could be a resource. But if you're here, we want to be able to. Uh, highlight some of the cool things that are here in this area and some of the amazing people that live in this community. Awesome. Well, it's really, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be exciting to get to hear people's stories um, and get to know people. Um, And so we have a guest on today's podcast from Palmer Lane Maple. We have two guests. (laughs) Yes, we do. And um, so we had a conversation with Paul and Colleen from, uh, you know, Paul and Colleen Palmer from Palmer Lane Maple. And if you guys know anything about Palmer Lane, they have the greatest creamies in the area or maybe even the state of Vermont. (laughs) I would say in the world, to be honest with you, I I can't find a better, better maple creamy. Uh, Yeah, it was a a fun and uh, informative conversation that we had with them uh, just two really amazing down-to-earth people who thrived during the COVID pandemic and was able to bring all of us a little bit of joy during that time absolutely yeah, yeah. it was it was really neat 
So why don't we, Jills, say, let's share with our audience who these uh, people are. All right. It's Paul and Colleen Palmer of Palmer Lane Maple. Yes. Paul and Colleen of Palmer Lane Maple. All right. So let's get in with the, with the questions. We wanted to start with something light and fun. So we said, what is your most regrettable fashion choice? All right, I'll start. Permed hair. Those of you know who lived in the 80s and had longer hair, we would perm our hair. So, you know, looking back, you go, oh my gosh, but such was the style. <laughs> it is. It's fine because uh, I picked something from the 80s as well, because I grew up in the 80s. And for me, it was spiked hair, cut off shirt and parachute pants. So, <laughs> looking back at those pictures is just totally embarrassing. No <laughs> question about it. Yeah, I think everybody who's from the 80s has something of, of one of those pictures. Yep, exactly. Yep. Well, if if you could be in any movie, what would it be? Oh, so for me, I, I had fun with this one. I thought Wedding Crashers, because I love Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. And the fact that they bring up the maple syrup conglomerate at the beginning of the movie is perfect for me. I love it. It's my favorite, one of my favorite movies. So, it, you know, it's all about partying, going to weddings and having fun. And, you know, we kind of do that, but with a creamy truck. So we crash <laughs> weddings all the time. But we get paid for it. Yeah. I don't oh, have I'm, one. Yeah, I, I, there isn't one. So, all Next right. <laughs> what is the funniest or crazy, fit, craziest thing you have ever done? You want to go first? Sure. Um, when I was twenty-four, I drove across country by myself. I drove from Eureka, California, to Baltimore, Maryland. Um, in a 64 Ford Galaxy with a U-Haul on the back with everything I owned. So I was that moving, was pretty... obviously. So <laughs> yep, moving for a job. Pretty wild. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Mine was a little crazier than that. Uh we went on <laughs> was it for our, our, our honeymoon or no, our tenth our tenth anniversary. So we went on a cruise to the Caribbean. And the very first night on, on the boat, uh, we decided to go out to one of the clubs on the ship and, uh, they had a dance contest. So, uh, you know, this little guy from Vermont decided I'm going to join the dance contest. Why not? Well, I won the dance contest. So, <laughs> so, you know, walking around the cruise ship, I was kind of royalty. People are like, Hey, that's the guy that won the dance contest. So I, I have the little plastic trophy that I won from, <laughs> from the contest. And and I like to embarrass my children that, you know, I won a dance contest. So <laughs> that's pretty that cool. Fantastic. <laughs> wow. Awesome. All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and about your business? And a little smaller, since we're in an old farmhouse, space is at a premium. In 15, we bought its twin. Uh, so now we were able to run more flavors. Uh, in 17, we purchased our creamy truck because people were, were asking, again, customers were asking, hey, can you just bring that creamy machine to my daughter's wedding? We're like, yeah, sure. It's like 700 pounds. Sure. Um, so 
So they were joking, but we ended up finding a creamy truck that was for sale. So we bought it. And then that was 17. And then this past year in 2022, we bought a second creamy truck because we were turning people away because we were so booked. So now we can do even more weddings. And here we are 10 years later, two kids, two trucks, <laughs> one business. Um, yeah. So that's... a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we do more than just the retail and the creamy <laughs> truck because we have the wholesale part of the business. We have a website. Um, so that's the four parts of the business. So, so yeah, the retail catering website and wholesale. wholesale. We still do wholesale, just not as much as we used to. Yeah. That was going to be my question. I was going to ask if you were still doing the candies and wholesale. We do. Where, yeah, where's just, the farthest you shipped to then? I mean, we have people who want us to ship to military families in Germany. So we've done that uh, a number of times. We also have people who have taken our products places. So they've come in and said, hey, I'm going to Poland or I'm going to Chile. Um, New Zealand. Yeah. You know. Guam, uh, England, you know, and sometimes you get, oh, Minnesota, you know. So our products have traveled far and wide. But as far as shipping, that's probably the farthest. I think we might have done like South Korea. We've done, you know, but it has to be military. Otherwise, it's too expensive and most people don't. Um, decide to pay that price. We have a funny story. At one, one point, we did have somebody in Italy that wanted a five-gallon bucket of syrup uh, for a restaurant. So we ended up shipping that five-gallon bucket to Italy. And it came back about three and a half months later. So it made the round trip all the way to Italy and came back to us. And they, they said that never there wasn't a place for it to be delivered. Well, as the story goes, once we contacted the the purchaser, they said, yeah, they're probably just too lazy to deliver it because it's so heavy. <laughs> so we ended up getting it back after it went all the way to Italy and back. <laughs> wow. It's a well-traveled uh, maple syrup Bucket. right there. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's funny. So how did you self-educate in this or did you go to school to learn maple? <laughs> so I grew up in Essex Junction um, and in Essex Junction, there was one sugar house, Fred and Nora Allen. So Allen's sugar house right on the side of Route 15. Uh, ever since I could cross the street by myself, probably age four, Route 15 wasn't nearly as busy as it is today. Uh, I would be in that sugar house, just taking in the smells, climbing on the wood pile, basically getting in the way and underfoot. Um, but that's how I learned about maple syrup. And it, it kind of gets in your blood. Um, so as I got older, I could do more. They'd start bringing me out into the woods, gathering sap, um, helping Fred gather buckets. Uh, so, you know, it's something I, I gained, you know, gained that passion for early on and knew it was something I always wanted to do. Um, so when... I met Colleen, you know, I kind of told her, I said, you know, there's a couple things in my life that I'll never give up. So, you know, don't ask me to. One is playing hockey and two is sugaring. So um, that's when I 
came up with a crazy idea of, of buying this maple candy business and she could run that for me. And she begrudgingly said, yes. And then, you know, the, as you say, the rest is history. So, so you, a you lot taught of her how was, to make this stuff. So some of that, yeah. I mean, I, I taught her all about maple. And then when we, we actually purchased this candy company that uh, was much smaller than, than what it is today. Um, the lady did give Colleen lessons because sometimes it's easier for somebody else to teach your spouse how to do things than it is for your spouse. So, um, yeah, but I made just maple candy. I wasn't making syrup. <laughs> um, so I would make maple candy and maple cream. Um, and when, the, you know, in the height of doing this wholesale business, I was making eight to 10,000 pounds of candy a year. Yeah. Wow. So, and I still make candy just on a much smaller scale since we don't have as many wholesale customers. Hmm. So design? most of our, I'm sorry. Is that by your design? Did you, did you want to yeah. focus more on retail? Exactly. Yeah. And it I just happened to coincide with the pandemic, but um, it was just getting to be a lot to do that level of wholesale and manage the retail location. So we made the conscious decision to reduce our wholesale accounts um, by probably 80%. So we kept a few local ones. Um, and then we really just were focusing on retail since the creamy business blew up. You know, we didn't, you know, things we didn't expect. So, you know, kind of we self-educated along the way, <laughs> you know, what they call OJT, you know, on the job training. A lot of trial and error. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so how did you balance your life and your work? <laughs> we, we got to this Have question. We? we were like, um, yeah, we, we really haven't to this point. Um, you know, we work seven days a week, probably 12 hours a day all summer long. So we, oh, yeah. we work a lot during the summer. Um, and it's, it's hard. And we know it's for a short period of time because usually the winter it slows down and we get to relax a little bit and actually take vacation because vacation is a four-letter word in the summertime for us. Just, yeah. So it's it's tough to make that balance. And we've consciously made the decision over the last year or two to hire some full-time people to come into the business to help us run the business, help us grow and give us that life balance, that work-life balance that, that we've wanted. And now our kids are old enough too. I mean, they've always been involved in the business, but now they can actually drive a creamy truck. You know, they, they are so capable of so much more. So that has helped as well. Okay. So my question for you guys, and I, I want to preempt the question with saying uh, that I watched you during the pandemic and you guys um, kind of paved the way, I think, for some of the local businesses and how to handle uh, the pandemic. So uh, I just want to know, what did you find was the greatest challenge that you faced during COVID? My God, the telephone. <laughs> um, so because we couldn't, <laughs> hello face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
I need so, to plug in my phone. <laughs> because we couldn't open, you know, the doors and let people in, we, you know, Paul came up with the idea of, well, people would, would pull into a parking, a numbered parking space and they would call in and we would say, you know, hi, how can we help you? What spot are you in? Oh, I'm in spot 13. Great. What can we get for you? Um, but our telephone system basically is what you have in your house. Um, so we were probably getting two to 300 calls a day. Um, so that was a wow. huge challenge. And there was, there was no, there was no answer. The only way to upgrade your phone system was to spend like $10,000, which we weren't going to do. And of course, nobody knew how long this was going to last. So the telephone was probably one challenge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in cell service, if you had AT&T, man, you, you were sunk. Um, it just didn't work. So that was frustration for people. Yeah. Parking. Oh, you know, it, you know, you come by our place on a summer day and parking is at a premium anyway, but during the pandemic, because this was one place people could go and have some sort of normalcy, you know, they could be together as a family, um, go have a treat because we would run the cones out to their car. We were just inundated with people and, yeah. you know, we were running on a skeleton crew. It was really just the four of us. So my wife and I and our two kids working six hours a day. Cause we said, that's all we can do. And we finally said, I said, let's call some of these kids that are out of school and see if they want to work for a few hours a day. So we, slowly pulled more people in and were able to make things work but it still took six people to run what normally takes two to two and a half yeah so it was so staffing telephone and parking were probably the three biggest challenges but you know for me this is our livelihood so i'm looking at either we shut down and we have absolutely no income no way to pay the bills or we figure something out and you know i'm i'm a troubleshooter by trade i just that's all i do i think of new and better ways to do things and you know i i devised a carrying i don't know tray for mm -hmm. the the cones i i built it and created it and then had to build two more so that we had three running at one time and you know we just made it work yeah and then when the weather got nicer um you know paul figured out oh we could open up one of the windows so we, you know, he had to chisel it open. Um, and then we just literally went to the hardware store, bought some rope and some stakes and made a one-way path. So people would come up to the window, they would order, and then we would run the order out to the side porch. And that was so much better than doing the phone. It was like an alleluia moment. Um <laughs> But again, you know, we didn't spend much money because we kept changing all along. So when the governor said this or that, okay, we just made a change. So when we were interviewed before, we told people don't spend a lot of money. You know, we were going to UPS store and having copies of stuff made, you know, so that we could put signage up. So overall, I don't know, you know, if we spent $200, so. Good. So everything worked out pretty well. I mean, the, the pandemic, I, I mean, I almost feel guilty saying this is it was a boom for us. Um, you know, our business really grew. It took off quite a bit more. 
Um, so, you know, I feel pretty blessed that it, it was that way and it wasn't the other way. Well, I think that's well, I... a testament to your, your creativity and your adaption to, to handle what was given to you. And I know that me and my family appreciated going there. And like you said, right. getting a little sense of normalcy. Right. right. And it was Even cheap, it... you know. Yeah, it came out to us on the little plexiglass. The... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah, we felt the same way. And um, just watching it evolve, um, it was like it made us feel like um, we could still we could still live during right. this season, you know. And it's just ice cream, <laughs> right? But but you felt that it, it, it made a big difference hey let's go have some ice cream because you could right you know no one up yeah and and people did not um give up as some might have closed shop or you know mm -hmm. and you didn't and we just saw it evolve and um I don't know that was quite impressive actually yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean for me it's ice cream is supposed to be a, a a happy time, right? You go get ice cream because it makes you feel good. So really that's what we wanted to make sure the community felt. Mm -hmm. You know, we would talk almost daily what worked, what didn't, what do we have to do differently? Mm -hmm. And it, it was ever changing, constantly, constantly, constantly changing. Yeah. You know, most people wouldn't know that, wouldn't recognize it from the outside, but we just tried to make it a smoother, better transition every day and, you know, make sure people could enjoy, you know, a little part of their day. It was a long, long six weeks though. Yeah. So what has been the most influential resource for your career? Resource or people or? You guys, the customers. Yeah, the customers, definitely. You know, we would have never started Creamies if those 50 people hadn't come in during those first 30 days, we would have never gotten a creamy truck if we didn't hear mother after mother saying, oh, can you just bring that creamy machine to my daughter's wedding? Um, and other things that they've said, oh, it'd be great if you had. And we're like, huh. You know, and now we've done milkshakes and we do coffee floats and, um, you know, dairy-free options. So really it's the customers who have influenced us hmm. you know some good and some bad like when your customers don't buy granola then you know <laughs> you're not selling granola so, you know but if they buy the soap because they think it's cool then you sell soap along with syrup and maple candy and all the other maple treats yeah i mean and neither one of us have a degree in marketing we don't have a degree in business you know she's got a psychology degree i've got a math degree and to me, it just seems like common sense, like listen to your customer, see what they want and see what you can provide, you know, come to some sort of mutual agreement. If you can provide that great, if not, you can't do it. And you just, I don't know, I don't, it just seems like so much common sense to me that how can you not be successful if you, if you don't listen to your customer, you know, you, you've, your customer is the whole crux of your business. So you got to pay attention to them. What a funny thing that Paul says is when people say, 
oh my God, how do you guys make such a good creamy? His answer is, <laughs> I don't know how others screw it up. <laughs> I, you know, and it came from, you know, we used to get our mix from the St. Albans Cooperative um, and they stopped doing mix, but the guy that worked there, we got to know each other and he says, you know, I go to other customers of ours and they serve maple creamies and you serve maple creamies, but yours are so much better. Why are they so much better? I'm like, because presumably it's the same product, right? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing to screw it up. I have no idea. You know, mm -hmm. I just know, I, I built this business on two things. One, a premium product. I'm not out there to put out a, a mediocre product or a subpar product. And, you know, people mention the price and I'm saying, you know what, you're getting what you pay for. Plain and simple. The other is customer service. We've got to provide great customer service. If you don't do that, I don't care how good your product is. People aren't coming back. I mean, you could sell a mediocre product, but have good or great customer service and people will come back because they feel that connection. Um, we strive to do both. business right there mm -hmm. so what's next for palmer lane maple <laughs> oh, oh gosh you know it it's it's ever evolving right we're we're constantly thinking wondering what what do we do next you know we've always thought about doing a second location somewhere um i've wanted to get into hard ice cream start making hard ice cream from scratch Mm. which know, will not happen in Jericho. Yeah, it won't happen in Jericho. We would have to get a second location. Yeah. Um, you know, our biggest thing is the parking issue. We, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have enough parking. We don't have enough space. And we we're on septic. We don't have the facilities we need in order to, to make those types of products because there are so many more products that that we could make and want to make, mm -hmm. but we, we just can't do it in Jericho. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, those are probably it. You know, we would, like I said, we'd love to do a second location and we would really like to, to have a true Vermont ice cream, you know, and one you can, you know, try different flavors or maybe use local products, you know, when rhubarb is in and blueberries are in, but again, it can't happen in Jericho. So I guess that's a uh, TBD <laughs> <laughs> to be determined. Yeah. That's a, those are great. I mean, I, I don't know. That's pretty impressive to me. As long as you don't mess up the creamies. <laughs> that's and right. That maple lemonade. My God, that <laughs> stuff is amazing. Well, yeah. you know, funny story with that is I'm actually lactose intolerant. So I can't even eat my own creamies that I developed from scratch. Oh. Um, and so that maple lemonade is kind of my obsession that's something i can have um so i know there are people out there that are in the same boat as me and we want to let them have a little bit of maple tastiness as well mm -hmm. so the thought was if you are lactose intolerant and the rest of your group you know is all having creamies then there's something that you can enjoy as well on that hot day um and now we offer you know a dairy-free popsicle as well but when we first started you know, we ended up at a barbecue and somebody was serving maple lemonade and we were like, what is this stuff? And then it was like, oh my gosh. 
Um, the light bulb went off. Yeah. We started like, know, oh, if you put in a slushy machine, it's playing around better, with it. you know? So Just here we are. Start playing with a recipe and yeah. try, to, try to figure it out. Yeah. And now people love it. And, you know, we'll start it like when the weather really gets warm, but in May, they'll start saying, are you going to have it? You're going to have it. And like, not yet. It's not hot enough yet. Not yet. <laughs> you know, so. That's really neat. It's, it's, um, you know, it's refreshing to hear business people really talk about, you know, the heart of the business is the customer. And so you want to please the customer, you know, and you're thinking of them. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. And we'd like to do other things. You know, a lot of our customers are dairy free and they would love to have a dairy free creamy, you know, mm -hmm. so it's always on our mind to do it. It's just sourcing it. And how do you do that? How do you have a creamy you know, when you have to replace that dairy with, with an alternative, that's not, that doesn't have the fat in it, you know, so like, like oat milk, you know, well, there's no fat in it. So, you know, what do you do? So, right. It all, it all comes down to taste, right? I mean, like I said, mm -hmm. we're trying to put out a premium product and it's really difficult to find that in a dairy free option. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really hard to replicate that, that mouthfeel. Um, we did find one product, uh, we went to a ice cream show. So we found one product that really knocked my socks off and we're trying to get it and we're trying to get it in. And I don't, don't know if we're going to be able to do it or not. Mm. So I'm just going to keep everybody at bay as to what it is and hopefully <laughs> we make it work. It'd be so great. It's, yeah. It would be phenomenal. Yeah. Well, you've oh. succeeded so far, right? So you know, no, you can't have everything. I understand that you try it. And then you realize you come to a point and you say, well, this is not really meant to be, but you're going to keep trying it and you, you're going to keep finding the things that will matter to people. So I just think that's cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So what would, what advice would you uh, give to your younger self? <laughs> Oh boy. Well, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> he's, he's chomping at the bit. Well, I, the advice I've given my kids is look, you don't need to go to college. You know, you can make life what you want it to be. You know, I think there's been this pervasive message of college, college, college. You got to go to college to be successful, this and that. And if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they never went to college. Um, and I probably wouldn't have gone to college either had I known what a following you could get doing ice cream. You know, I probably would have just started my own business right then and there. Um, you know, so two things. One is that and two, buy real estate, get real estate young. I know it seems like it's really expensive when you're young. You know, I had the chance to buy a duplex. I didn't take it. I kicked myself every day for not doing that. Um, so those are really the two pieces of advice I, I've given my kids, but they didn't listen to me. They both went to college. So what can I say? Yeah. But now one is working for the business and the other one is too young to know yet. You know, she's only a freshman, you know, so who knows where she'll land, but. So. And what about you, Colleen? Oh, advice to my younger self. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um. I think 
Paul and I should have done a better job with our work-life balance. Um, but at the same time, we grew a phenomenal business that our community has embraced. And now it's something for us to give our kids. So it probably I guess the sacrifice would have been worth it. So I would have said, take more time when your kids are younger, enjoy those vacations. Um, when we did what we could do, but I wish we would have done more of that. Um, but it is also nice now to have a business where, again, we can employ people. And, um, you know, initially, you know, like we would hire a summer crew and there would be like four to six of them. Now we're looking at, you know, double or two and a half times that, like, and that's just to get through the summer. So I think we're really proud of what we've accomplished um, and how we support the community and in turn, the community supports us and they have from day one. So this is just a side question. Do, do your children want to have the business when, you know, when you're, when you're ready to pass it on, are they showing interest of wanting to take it? Well, I mean, you're a parent of a, you know, 21 year old. So, you know, kind of the, the, I would say the good, bad, and the ugly of that age group. And one, they don't know what they don't know. Um, so really to ask them at this stage, do you want that to us is a bit premature. So although Olivia is working in the business and enjoying it and doing very well, you know, it's probably too soon to say to her, Hey, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? Um, and Julia, again, is a freshman in college. She just turned 18. So she's even younger and even, you know, farther behind that eight ball. Um, so we've told both of them that it's there if you want to take it over and we will come up with some type of a secession plan, but do not feel obligated in any way, you know, to take this over. We don't want them to come back to us 10 years later and say, I really wanted to follow my passion in X, Y, and Z, and I couldn't do that. So it's really up to them. No, I just want to say thank you that you took the time out and, and mm -hmm. spoke with us. It's exciting. And you guys have an amazing business. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And it was really good to get to know you, you know, on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wasn't that great? I just think they're fun people. I really enjoyed talking to them. Yeah, that was a great conversation. I enjoyed it myself. And so what, what is your takeaway? Um, I was really encouraged by his passion. Paul has passion for maple. And because of it, he was able to create a livelihood from it. Uh, and you can see it in all of their products. You can see it in how they conduct themselves and in their business. And when you go in, you know that they are passionate people who just love maple and they love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's awesome to see. What about you, well, Carmen? What, what did you get from that? Well, I love maple <laughs> and creamies. Yes. Um, but my I have a couple of takeaways, actually, that I was really... Um, you know, uh, taken aback by maybe um, is number one, I just, I liked how they 
use the customer as their uh, influential. It's like, a, you know, that question, what's the, the influential source uh, drive behind this? And they had said they're customers. And I thought, okay, I don't know that I've really ever seen that before or heard that, you know? But in their conversation, you can't help but notice how they have that desire and passion, like you were saying, to try to meet what the customers want. And, um, you know, and of course, their newest thing that they can't share yet, that they're trying, they're trying recipes, they try things so that they can be creative and, and yet give it to the customer and make them happy. So I don't know, that to me was very touching to hear that part. And the other part was um, that, you know, he encouraged people, you don't need to have, quote unquote, a college education to get where they are today, because why? He had a passion and he worked hard and he went after it. So of course they self-educated um, and that, you know, so you still get education, right? But, um, but you don't have to, you can do it with hard work and consistency. And I just really liked that. It's like, the small, the small guy can still win. And um, so I really like that. Yeah, yeah, they are winners and they have amazing products. Their creamies are, are phenomenal. And that maple lemonade, man, I can't wait till June comes around so I can get that. <laughs> so we want to thank Paul and Colleen for coming on and being yeah. part of this show. Uh, and we also want to encourage you guys to go and uh, patronize their business. Go in and ask for a creamy. I know their creamy season starts real soon. They'll have yes. them out there. So go in and buy a creamy and tell them Talk of the Town sent you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so with that, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. And we would like to share with you a couple of ways to get in touch with us. And um, so number one, uh, the number is 802-858-5534, and you can leave a message uh, and email us with talkofthetownvtpodcast at gmail.com. And so, Jills, tell us, tell us about why they would want to call us or email us. What are we looking for to as we interact with our listeners? So... Like, like Paul and Colleen, we want to hear from you guys and we want to know what you want. Uh, who do you want to hear from? Do you have ideas or suggestions for this podcast? Maybe you want to be on it. So all of those are, are options. Let us know that you love it or that you hate it. We don't care either way. You can just let us know what you thought of this. I'll tell you this though, with that voicemail, you have three minutes. That's it. Anything after three minutes. But, uh, uh, you know, if you want to share a story about why you love this community, why yeah, this community is the, the best in the world, then just go ahead and, and leave us a story. Leave us some feedback. Just get in touch with us and let us know what you think. And just maybe also you are aware of um, an event going on that maybe we have not seen yet. Um you know, you want to share it, you know, it's up and coming. Uh, you haven't seen it being advertised yet, but it's coming. So, you know, share with us these things and, um, and the contact people. So maybe we could have them on. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a great way to, um, to connect with you and you with us and share the community 
and the happenings and people and stories with one another. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so thank you for listening to us. Go ahead and uh, hit the like button, all of those fun things. Share this podcast with somebody and let, let us know, let them know that we're here. And we want to uh, just celebrate what's happening here in this community. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Giles and Carmen, the podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again next podcast.